welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Welcome back to our Triune Pod, friends. Nick Kamiski will be back next week from his paternity leave. So if you have been putting off listening to our Triune Pod, well, I guess then you'll not have heard this and you'll just find out when he's back. But if you are on pins and needles waiting for Rev Nick, next week is the week. Three weeks paternity leave, that's all we've given him. Right now, though, I'm super excited to have my friend here with us today. Her name is Chris Vieira. Chris, how are you doing? NED, what's up? You know, I, well, actually, Chris, uh, and I'm going to say this in a second. I want to tell you listeners real quick. I've known Chris, I guess, seven, eight years now since I pretty much started at Calvary St. George's. And since I met her, Chris has been a conversation partner kind of a mentor in many ways, just like an all around movie guru, wisdom guru in general, I guess I'd say. So I'm really pumped to have you on here. I feel like I'm going to learn even more from you and I hope our listeners just eat this up. So Chris, I've heard you haven't been feeling that well lately. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. You're so sweet. We do have great conversations. So this is really fun. Yeah, I had what I'm calling not COVID (laughs) because it was some kind of illness that was not COVID. It was just like a really, really bad cold. And it was the first time that I was, I've been sick in well over two years. I have just not had anything at all since before the pandemic. And I was kind of keeping the streak going and then it, it ended and it was not fun, but it had to happen sometimes. That's what being human is all about. It's true. And uh, the only reason I bring that up is not to point out her, her illnesses, but I, friends, right after I recorded the last cast that night, I came down, I went home and I was horizontal for three days. Mm-hmm. It was the worst I felt maybe in my life. And of course, like you mentioned in this COVID era, I thought I was COVID. Friends thought I was COVID. I got tested once, negative. Of course, that's wrong. Get right. t- Got tested <laughs> twice, still negative. And despite two negative tests, Rev Nick t- texted me back and was just like, dude, you definitely have COVID. <laughs> so we're playing that, that space still, uh, even in a place like Birmingham, Alabama, where we haven't really believed in COVID for about a year now. Um, <laughs> Sorry, friends, just kidding. We just don't believe in any masks. Um, but yeah, no, everyone's just like, oh, it's got to be COVID. But I mean, there are, as you mentioned, other illnesses out there. In fact, I got the worst one of my life. I mean, I'm pretty sure I had COVID beginning of January with Omicron. My girlfriend had it. I felt kind of sick, but it was nothing like this flu that I just had and wiped me out. And I think even now when people are talking to me, it's kind of want to keep a little bit of a distance because it's like, I might get the plague. <laughs> and 
I used to be a non, <laughs> an anti-flu vaxxer. Not really, but just, I just never wanted to get the flu vaccine. I was like, I'm young and I have whatever great immunity. I haven't had the flu since I was like five. I'm not doing it. And then I got the flu and it is no joke. <laughs> and ever since then, I was like, sign me up anything to never have to go through that again. It's I mean, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Kind of get the flu vaccine every single year from now on. But I got to say, the, so my, the first two days I had the flu, I couldn't watch any TV. So it was the worst. Like you're, you know, fever. So you're hot, too hot one second, too cold the next second. My body was aching in every imaginable muscle, couldn't get comfortable and then couldn't pass the time. So you're like bored and miserable. Were you able to watch any TV, read anything for this illness you just had? Yeah, it was, I didn't have like flu symptoms. I had really mm -hmm. bad sinus stuff and I, it's so sad. And this is such a cultural comment. I was like, oh, you know, getting sick, it's kind of like a snow day, right? And I can just binge watch TV and hang out. But actually, you're miserable. It is not a vacation. <laughs> I did eventually, I rewatched a bunch of Marvel stuff because that's my comfort food. That's like my junk food when I'm- I Like movies or shows? Yeah, the movies. I watched the Infinity War. Infinity War <laughs> is the best, I think. I think it's better than Endgame. I think it's better than pretty much all of them. It's really, really good. It has some really interesting kind of philosophical questions about life, man. Well, friends, so <laughs> I love that we were talking about our illnesses. Everyone's like, I'm turning this off. But <laughs> if you haven't turned it off, uh, <laughs> we're now going to talk about Psalm 31. Uh, it's Palm Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, or the Sunday of the Passion. And I'm going to read verses 9 through 16, and then Chris is going to give us her brilliance. So it goes like this. No, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Just brilliance. I got it. Only brilliance. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with sorrow and also my throat and my belly, for my life is wasted with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails me because of affliction and my bones are consumed. I have become a reproach to all my enemies and even to my neighbors, a dismay to those of my acquaintance. When they see me in the street, they avoid me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am as useless as a broken pot, for I have heard the whispering of the crowd. Fear is all around. They put their heads together against me. They plot to take my life. But as for me, I have trusted in you, O Lord. I have said, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. And your loving kindness, save me. Chris, what do you do with that? First of all, I just want to say, actually, I think our intro was perfect because we were talking about how awful we felt and like this, this bodily affliction. And I think what's really powerful to me about the first two verses of this psalm is the description of how, you know, David, the psalmist is suffering physically. And he talks later about feeling isolated or feeling rejected. But I think he, he opens with talking about the physical experience of grief, which is not a conceptual thing. It's actually a physical experience that grief is like a sickness in your body and the the imagery is so intense that the 
idea of being consumed, like your eyes are actually consumed by tears and your bones are consumed uh, because of this affliction. It's just, it's really intense. And then I think the idea of like in 11, I have been a reproach to all my enemies and even to my neighbors, a dismay to those of my acquaintance, basically anyone who even looks at me, avoids me, and the the isolation and the idea of being forgotten and being useless also really struck me as being, you know, the Sunday of the Passion and just thinking about the the shame and the isolation of what Jesus was going through. I think it makes sense that this psalm would be read on that day. Yeah, I think Fleming Rutledge has done this a real service in her book on the crucifixion where she, I don't know about you, Chris, but growing up, I would watch kids' stories about the crucifixion or about the passion. And Jesus is up there on the cross. And it's kind of like, it doesn't look like he's going through all that much. Like he's on there and he's like kind of saying from the cross, I love you. And then he breathes his last. And I know it's controversial, but before Fleming Rutledge's book, picture that I got of the cross that was horrific was Mel Gibson's The Passion yeah. of the Christ. And I, I remember the, when I saw that for the first time, I was just like, wait, is this really what happened? Like he got like whipped and he was bleeding and he's suffering and he's dying of you know suffocation and reading that book and, and not just what happened to his body in terms of the pain that he went through, all that being very real. But just what crucifixion was designed to do, and that is to utterly humiliate. You are naked. You are outside of the city. You are like a leper. You are to be looked at by those passing by as don't you dare do what this person did because you don't want to end up like this. This is the not only are, is this person going through extreme pain, but the, the ultimate uncleanliness, stay away from me, leper. And I and and what I read here is it really kind of captures, and, and you just a little side note for our listeners, but this psalm has historically been connected to the crucifixion and, uh, and is put on Palm Sunday, Sunday the Passion every year because of a verse that we don't have. And that verse that we don't have is verse five, into your hands. I commend my spirit, which is Jesus' final prayer in the Gospel of Luke. So understandably so, Christians for 2,000 years have looked at this psalm and looked at these, these struggles that the psalmist is going through as a kind of commentary on Jesus' passion. And I was, I was kind of thinking about, you know, why did they choose in the lectionary to start with verse nine? But I actually really love in thinking about the passion, the sort of narrative arc that they've chosen, where it sort of begins with, you know, have mercy on me, for I'm in trouble. And then it just the description of that trouble. And then there's the turning point at verse 14. But as for me, I have trusted in you, O Lord. And then it, it changes. And the Psalms do this a lot where they, they move into faith from, you know, they're, they're not hiding anything. I'm not hiding anything about how I'm feeling. This is, I'm not pulling any punches. I'm not kind of sugarcoating it. My bones are consumed. Like it's, things are bad, but... I have trusted in you, O Lord. I have said, you are my God. 
and that there's this essay from, you know, Charles Spurgeon, that's actually really good, where he is talking about that line, you are my God. And he says, you know, a king can point to a kingdom and say, you are my kingdom. And a wealthy person can point to a pile of silver and say, you are my silver. But we can point to this God and say, you are my God. And no monarch or millionaire can beat that. And I just thought that was so great because you don't, you can be as useless as a broken pot and you can have your body and your bones consumed with grief and affliction and you can be forgotten by everybody, but you can call and name your God and you have everything. And mm. uh, so I just find that very moving and very powerful. Yeah, that's so great. And just backing up for two seconds, just what you were describing reminded me not just of Jesus' ex- experience, his passion experience, being put on the cross, the scourging, all that, but even you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he is agonizing over this. And yet with that, but as for me, I have trusted in you, just that kind of moment of taking up despite everything. Okay, I've prayed for this cup to be taken from me, but it's not. All right, I'm going to follow through on my vocation and I trust in the one who vindicates. My times are in his hands. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies. And even though it's kind of like God God doesn't, right? Uh, I mean, in a way God does by the vindication of the resurrection, but still there's this kind of abandonment to not only pain and suffering, but to the risk of being forgotten like this, Mm -hmm. this, and, and yeah, no, I'd love to reflect more on that if you have anything, but I think I don't struggle with the fear of being forgotten very much just yet. But I, I, I kind of wonder, I, I feel like it's one of those, those fears that a lot of people who go through midlife crises uh, suffer with. And do you identify with that kind of cry out at all or um, anything like that speak to you? Yeah. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. And it's, I, I was thinking as you were talking about Gethsemane of what it would feel like to be going through this torment of, I know what God's will is. I really don't want to do it. It's going to be horrible. And then to go to turn to a friend for support and they're just asleep. Like what? Oh, you wanted me to what? <laughs> mm. Stay awake. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking about that. And I actually had a friend who last week, you know, she had something going on with her knee. She's older and she was having, you know, a shot in her knee and, and she was just really surprised by how abandoned she felt. Not that anybody really knew that she needed them to reach out to her and she realized, you know, she needed to ask for that. But just when you're going through something that other people aren't going through it with you. So they can't, they can't know what it feels like. They can't really experience it. And it is very lonely. And that has been my experience with, with real grief, with like losing someone close to me, but nobody else had that relationship with that person. And so even the people who were also grieving this person didn't understand what I was going, you know, nobody can really understand what you're going through. And so you do feel, I think, forgotten in the sense of nobody really knows what I'm going through and nobody knows what I need. And I do think 
in that moment, remembering that I think the line, my times are in your hand, that really, it's hard to accept that and to say, God's got all of this in the palm of his hand. It's very hard to actually turn myself over to that and rest in that, but I hope to. Yeah. And it seems like even the psalmist struggles with it, right? Because the next line is rescue me from the hand of my enemies. So it's it's not like this con- contentment in like, okay, Lord, every day is in your hand or my destiny is in your hand. <laughs> the next sentence is rescue me, save me. Uh, but there is, I mean, as you mentioned, there's that kind of confidence despite physical suffering, despite the fear of loneliness or being forgotten or not understood. There's it ends with this confidence, this, all right, my destiny is yours. Nevertheless, save me. Maybe there's just that trust of like, okay, this, this God who is for me, I don't know what his salvation will look like, but it's going to be good. And so often, at least for me personally, I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> and I rage against the dying of the light. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do. Sometimes when I read these Psalms with all of this confidence after these laments, you're just like, wow, okay, well, I guess that, that's what sanctification looks like. That's what, what I hope I look like at some point. But I guess it's also, it's not just saying, you know, okay, well, God's got this. Like you were saying, it's like, hey, God, this is on you and mm-hmm. you alone. You are the one in charge and you are the one who's going to have to do something about it. And I think in this sense of, feeling that I'm I'm abandoned or I'm forgotten and then saying, but you are my God Hmm. and none of these other people and none of these other outside circumstances can actually help me. You have the power to do that. And I am, I I think this is a little bit of a a demand, you Hmm. know, rescue me, make your face to shine on me in your loving kindness. Save me. I think it's a real there's almost like a way I'm hearing you describe it. Like, there's almost like a fury to that. Like, okay, yeah, you're good. Show <laughs> it, prove it. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, the psalmist prays like that. So, I mean, so can we. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Any final word you got on this, this psalm here? I just think I'm going to, I'm going to remember this line. You are my God. My times are in your hand. I'm going to hold that with me this week. So good. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. And If you would, pray us out. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with sorrow, and also my throat and my belly. For my life is wasted with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails me because of affliction, and my bones are consumed. I have become a reproach to all my enemies, and even to my neighbors, a dismay to those of my acquaintance. When they see me in the street, they avoid me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am as useless as a broken pot. For I have heard the whispering of the crowd. Fear is all around. They put their heads together against me. They plot to take my life. But as for me, I have trusted in you, O Lord. I have said, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant and in your loving kindness, save me. 
How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.